So this has been a big week for us at Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, because we also released our all-Big 12 team and also did our picks to win the conference. Let's start there. I'm Pete Mundo. Great to be with you guys as we are starting to feel like the season is getting here. You know, you got media days, preseason polls, it's getting here. So here's what the Heartland College Sports staff decided in our preseason Big 12 football poll. And that is that the Oklahoma Sooners will win the conference this year and will face Iowa State in a rematch of the 2020 Big 12 Conference Championship game when the two teams uh, meet at AT&T Stadium where Big 12 Media Days is taking place later this year. So uh, those were the one-two, and it was a consensus one-two by the Heartland College Sports staff. And then three to six was a very close race. All these teams, all four teams, came within six votes of each other, showcasing to me the depth in this conference. TCU was our third pick. Oklahoma State fourth. Texas fifth. West Virginia sixth. And this order could have gone any way, a couple of votes here and there. Um, Oklahoma State was just, just missed out on that three spot by a vote. TCU edged them out. Uh, then it was Texas at five, West Virginia at six. Kansas State was the consensus number seven pick, as were the Baylor Bears coming in at number eight, and Texas Tech in the nine spot followed by Kansas. So everybody had seven through ten the same in K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas. So once again, one through ten in the Big 12 for our preseason poll for heartlandcollegesports.com. Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, West Virginia, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Now, uh, some of the feedback back that we got is K-State's always underrated. Texas always overrated. And uh, as one reader did point out, TCU is entering Texas category in terms of overhype in the preseason. Well, you know, I think that's fair. I think that that's fair to say TCU the last couple of years, some of us have thought, would be a team that would compete in the top three, four in the Big 12, and it hasn't happened. That is a fair critique. But to me, with Max Duggan, and I did have in full transparency TCU third on my list, with Max Duggan in his third-year quarterback, uh, getting some continuity on the offensive side of the ball with that staff, Quentin Johnson, who to me is going to be an all-Big 12 wide receiver, and Zach Evans at running back, former five-star guy, an offensive line that's got the Memphis transfer in and, and is looking better. And a defense that's going to be outstanding. I mean, really good defense. Of course, a bunch of guys that nobody's going to talk about because it's TCU and it's not OU or Texas. But a really great defense. Gary Patterson's got to snap that streak this year of mediocrity that he's been going through for the past three seasons. I mean, this is the year he's, he's he should do it. And I don't want to say he should be on a hot seat. He's Gary Patterson. But... What I will say and what I will add to the equation in the conversation is that it's worthy to critique him if he has four straight years of mediocre football at TCU based on how he's recruited, which is pretty well, top 25, top 30 teams, and the defenses that they've had. I mean, if you're, if you're at the point where, you know, you really can't get an offense going or you haven't been able to get an offense going, frankly, since Javon Boykin, which by next year will be pushing almost 10 years ago, then, you know, you're allowed to be critiqued, okay? You're allowed to be critiqued. 
So that's why it's a big year for Gary Patterson, right? And Texas. I mean, I I had Texas sixth in my uh, preseason poll. I, I just, I got to see it to believe it with Steve Sarkeesian. And I know we can say four or five-star talent all over the field. Yes, uh, there is four and five-star talent all over the field. And there has been four and five-star talent all over the field for uh, 10 years at Texas. And it's gotten them nothing, really. One trip to a Big 12 title game. That's it. So I've just got to see it. You're working in a new quarterback. uh, And, you know, what do things look like? How and why are they different? I am in kind of the you got to show it to me face for Texas. Now, if I just thought that they had everything lined up perfectly, I'd pick them higher. I wouldn't be foolish about it. But I just can't do that right now and feel comfortable um, with that pick of Texas higher than than sixth. But they did get the fifth slot in the official Heartland College Sports preseason poll. But as I talked about last week, it is looking like a two-team race and then a drop-off in the Big 12. And I may be wrong. Uh, some of you are saying, oh, Iowa State's going to go 8-4. and four. That'd be surprising to me. I know they lost a lot of – or they won a lot of close games last year. If you go back and you actually look at it, you know, they did have a lot of very, very close wins, okay? But with most of that team back, 19 of 22 starters back, uh, you know, they should be able to build on the size of those wins. Last season, four of Iowa State's eight regular season wins came by less than a touchdown. I mean, that's that's – uh, difficult thing to duplicate. But the thing is, most of these guys are back, so they should know how to win. Therefore, I believe those wins should be by a more substantial margin. And that's what I think you're going to see this fall for Iowa State. But it still is Oklahoma's conference. And I feel bad for Iowa State because they may have a top 10 team, but you've got an Oklahoma team that's the best team it's had in, uh, you know, since before conference realignment, probably, you know. Probably the late 2000s, 2007, 8, 9 ish, uh, you're looking at. And that's what changes this conversation. And it's going to be tough for Iowa State to get over that hump. Uh, but, you know, one week at a time, you got to beat Iowa, by the way. Matt Campbell's never done that. Got to beat Iowa. If you want to be in a college football playoff conversation, got to start it off by beating Iowa. Now, we also released our all Big 12 team uh offense and defense our offensive player of the year is spencer rattler oklahoma quarterback our defensive player of the year is nick benito oklahoma linebacker our newcomer of the year is tj carter defensive back at a tcu and our coach of the year is lincoln riley out of oklahoma the preseason all big 12 football team quarterback spencer rattler running back Brees hall iowa state running back letty brown west virginia three wide receivers marvin Mins of oklahoma Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa State, Quinton Johnson of TCU, tight end Charlie Kohler of Iowa State, and the offensive lineman Josh Sills, Oklahoma State, Dawson Deaton, Texas Tech, Colin Newell, Iowa State, Zach Frazier, West Virginia, Marquise Hayes, Oklahoma, Wanya Morris, Oklahoma, place kicker Gabe Burchich, Bur- I always screw up his name, Burkick of Oklahoma, and then punt and kick returner is Phillip Brooks out of Kansas State. For the defense, run it down real quick. Ochoan Mathis, TCU on the defensive line. Other D linemen, Perry and Winfrey, Dante Stills, and Alfred Collins out of Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas, respectfully. respectively. Uh, We've got Nick Benito, Terrell Bernard, and Mike Rose at linebacker. Uh, They're out of Oklahoma, Baylor, and Iowa State. And then defensive backs, Trevius, Hodges, Tomlinson out of TCU. Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma State. Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. 
Colby Harvell Peel out of Oklahoma State, Greg Eisworth from Iowa State, and then our all-purpose player is Deshaun Jamison from Texas, punter Jordy Sandy from TCU. So that's who we had in our all-Big 12 team. The biggest complaint that we got is from Iowa State fans, upset that Will McDonald, who was a first-team all-Big 12 pick last year, did not get a preseason nod on the defensive line. And there's an answer for that. First off, he missed it by one vote. It was very close. But the main reason for that is that Jaquan Bailey's gone. Will McDonald is going to get the double teams. He was not a starter last year, by the way. He benefited immensely from the double teams against Jaquan Bailey. Okay? So here's here's what I think a lot of sports writers do. They look at last year's first team. They say, oh, this guy's coming back, so he's going to be first team again. Right? Well, not necessarily. How has that team changed? Is Will McDonald going to lead the Big 12 in sacks this year? I don't think so. Not with Bailey gone. He's going to draw the double teams. He's going to be playing more snaps. He's not going to be the forgotten guy by the offensive lines. He's going to be the focal point. So somebody else may step up for Iowa State and, and you know become a sack monster. I don't think it's going to be Will McDonald. So the lazy thing to do is to say first team last year, so first team this year. No, that's not how it should work. you got to be more uh, curious than that. you got to do more research than that. And I know that Will McDonald was on the all-Big 12 team for the general media, but, you know, we're not the general media. Uh, we know this conference, I believe, better than uh, anybody else that covers it top to bottom. Now, of course, the individual sports writers that cover their teams know their teams better, but in terms of knowing this entire conference, I believe this staff at Heartland College Sports knows this conference as well as anybody, as well as any group. So that's why Will McDonald did not make it. Also, it's lazy to simply say, well, Mike Rose was the defensive player of the year last year, and he's back. So he's obviously going to be the defensive player of the year this year. Well, not necessarily. Okay, first off, has anybody ever done back-to-back defensive players of the year in the Big 12? The answer is yes, actually. It's been done once. It was the first two years of the Big 12. Grant Wistrom did it at Nebraska in 96 and 97. Since then, nobody's gone back-to-back in Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year award winners. So it just doesn't happen. It's it's incredibly difficult to do. Uh, you've had teams have back-to-back. Uh, most recently, TCU with Paul Dawson and uh, Jason Barrett did it in 13 and 14. Nebraska did it in 2009 and 2010 with Ndamukong Sue and Prince of Mukamara. But to have the same person do it in back-to-back years? No, that's, that's lazy. It's lazy to be like, well, he won it last year, so he should win it this year. No, then be more interesting than that as well. I'm not saying Mike Rosen's going to have a great year. We got him on the first team. But come on. It's just that's, that's, a, that's a tall order. On the offensive side of the ball, by the way, uh, has anyone gone back-to-back in Big 12 Offensive Players of the Year? Yes, you have seen it twice in the Big 12. Jason White, an 03 and 04 Oklahoma quarterback, and Ricky Williams back in 97 and 98, Texas running back. That's it. And by the way, it's a lot easier to do that on the offensive side of the ball to me than the defensive side of the ball. So that's why Mike Rose was not picked for the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And Nick Benito, I think, is going to have an outstanding season coming off the edge for Oklahoma. That defense is so loaded. Benito's going to have a chance to rack up some really big numbers. While the offensive line is focused on like Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, and the rest of that gang, Jalen Redmond, 
Benito's going to come off the edge and just uh, it, quarterbacks are not going to know what hit him. I'll put it that way. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Coming up next, uh, did you see this disaster, by the way, at Kansas? Oh, gosh. Let's just say it's a good thing Les Miles is gone. I'll explain that, and we'll dive into it more. Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And before we continue, guys, uh, we are, if you look up Big 12 right now on iTunes, we're number one. We beat The Athletic. We beat uh, CBS. We beat ESPN. We beat all of them, and that's because of you. We've got 372 ratings and reviews. I want to get to 400 by the season, and that's why I've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie for you when you leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. Also, hit that subscribe button. And then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys with our logo. Keep the beer cold at the lake, at the uh, beach, wherever you might be this summer. And the only way you can get it is by leaving that rating and review. Thank you to you guys for what you do. This is how we beat the big dogs. All right, it's how we do it. And you're a big part of that. So appreciate you guys. And, uh... Enjoy us down at Big 12 Media Days this week. Stay tuned because we got a lot of content coming your way. All right? Good stuff. Appreciate you guys a lot. So how about those Kansas Jayhawks? My goodness. Uh, Let me start off with this. It is a good thing that Les Miles is no longer the head coach. Uh, This story that came out over the weekend from the Kansas City Star is a disaster for Les Miles. So here's what uh, reportedly happened. Kaepernick Humphrey, a former football player at KU, was paid $50,000 to go home after reporting threats and harassment by his teammates in 2019. So Humphrey played uh, two seasons for Kansas, grew up in West Virginia, transferred in from Eastern Kentucky under Les Miles. And according to Humphrey, what happened in March of 19, four Kansas football players barged into his Lawrence apartment and threatened him and his family, which was there at the time. And an altercation led to 911 that was confirmed by Lawrence police. No police report was filed. Leading up to that incident, Humphrey had filed a police report related to someone loosening lug nuts on the tires of his car. But no charges were once again filed. Then in March came the altercation. When the altercation got to the Candace Athletic Department, Miles first wouldn't even meet with the family, with the Humphrey family, per the article. He did meet with Humphrey and the players in question and asked both sides to apologize. Neither side did. Then, according to Humphrey, Miles suggested the players settle their differences on the field in full contact drills. After that, Humphrey left for West Virginia, went home, and shortly after, the family and KU settled financially. So uh, this, on top of the fact that, you know, Les Miles was named in the 2013 probe conducted by LSU of its football program um, regarding his interactions with a female employee or female employees at that time, uh, which included having to settle a harassment lawsuit with a former LSU student. After that, of course, Miles got fired. Uh, Jeff Long, of course, then was also relieved of his duties. And now you've got the Lance Leipold era underway under A.D. Travis Goff, who was a Candace graduate who was then the deputy athletic director at Northwestern. So it's a totally new regime. But I'll tell you what, if uh, if that had not happened or if that had not led to the dismissal of Les Miles, this may have been the final nail in the coffin for Les Miles. This is a bad look, really bad look. I mean, you got a guy 
who has his family and him threatened by teammates. Someone has to call 911. That's pretty serious. That's not a like, hey, screw you, man. Bleep you, bleep you. Like, that's not what leads to a 911 call. You got guys loosening lug nuts of teammates. Like, this is not a, you know, locker room prank. This is serious stuff. People can get hurt. And Les Miles won't meet with the family? And and then he's like, yeah, all right, let's do uh, let's do drills. Let's do drills to uh, figure out, you know, uh, who's who's going to settle, how we're going to settle our differences uh, on the field. Like, what does that mean? They're teammates. Figure out who was right. Figure out who was wrong. Reprimand those in the wrong and get it fixed, man. I, I'll tell you what. I mean, this Les Miles hire looks worse by the day. And, you know, he did a couple of recruiting classes right. He got high school kids in there. He wasn't looking to fill them with JUCOs because he thought he was going to have more time. So that may end up paying off for the slow rebuild that is KU football. But I will never forget just the bizarre nature of his first Big 12 media days in 2019, AT&T Stadium, and Les Miles was so out of it, so clueless. I, I, I mean, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy to think back to that moment. He was like a confused old man, doddering old man. I, he didn't know up from down, left from right, man. I mean, it was all over the map, this guy. And it is a good thing, a very good thing, that uh, Les Miles has decided, not decided to move on, that he was relieved of his duties and basically told to move on, all right? And it's a good thing that he was because sheesh, it was not going to get better there. And I think that Lance Leipold, if there's a decent foundation – uh, Lance Leipold is a guy that, based on what KU could hire, I think they did a good job here with Lance Leipold. I, I knew, you know, I wanted a guy like uh, uh, Jeff Monken at Army. That was my guy. That's who I wanted to see him hire. Different look, triple option. We talked about that uh, before the hire was made of Lance Leipold. But overall, the more I learn about Lance Leipold, and we'll learn a lot more at Media Days this week, seems like a sharp dude. I don't know if anyone's up to this task. Like, that's that's a big ask. Big ask, but it's certainly something that uh, uh, KU should feel good about and certainly better about than what they've had here the last couple of years. That's for darn sure. Meantime, this is a big deal. You know, recruiting-wise, Big 12, by the way, is crushing the recruiting trail. Absolutely crushing the recruiting trail. I'll get to that in a second. But Iowa State won out on a four-star defensive tackle out of the state of Iowa, Hunter Deo, he picked Iowa State over Iowa. The fact that Iowa State is beating out Iowa for four-star defensive tackles is absolutely outstanding. I mean, that is, you want to talk about changing the outlook of the program. Matt Campbell's done it on the field. Usually the recruiting happens after that. You're starting to see it play out now on the recruiting trail. And for Iowa State to beat out Iowa for four-star guys in the state, on the defensive line, by the way, I mean, that's awesome. And the Big 12 in general, just for an update on 2022, uh, they have got, let's see, half the conference, more than half the conference, six out of 10 teams, 60% of the conference in the top 27. They got uh, Oklahoma at five in the 24-7 sports rankings for the class of 2022. Oklahoma at five, Texas at seven, Baylor at 19, Oklahoma State at 21, 
West Virginia at 25, and Iowa State at 27. Uh, that is awesome. I don't know if they can keep it that way with six of 10 teams in the top 30, or top 27, almost top 25. Uh, but this is what I've said. If Matt Campbell can now recruit at a top 30 level, I don't want to say top 25, top 30 level. And by the way, Iowa State's not even up there, and Iowa State has been traditionally the third best recruiting team in the Big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas, so they'll make their way up there slowly and surely. But if you could have six of 10 teams in the top 30 on the recruiting trail and the recruiting rankings, that's enormous. And that's absolutely enormous for this conference. If you start recruiting on that level, Mike Gundy's got himself a top 25 team. And, and you know, uh, like Iowa State's typically been, I don't know, top 60, give or take. Oklahoma State's been a top 35, top 40. They should have been a top 25 team for the last 10 years. West Virginia, 40 last year, 25 right now. A couple of big-time commits of late uh, for Neil Brown. So there's a lot of reason for excitement around this conference in terms of how guys are recruiting, uh, doing better than they've done in previous years. And I know that this doesn't tell the whole story. There's a ways away still to go. It won't likely end up like this. But if half the Big 12, here's the deal. If half the Big 12 can get inside the top 30, that's a great year for this conference on the recruiting trail. OU and Texas, top 10, and then some combination of TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, Baylor, West Virginia in that top 30. That is a big win for this conference, a big, big win. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. It's been a fun time to follow the Big 12 recruiting trail, considering how early it is uh, in the not er, not too early in the 2022 cycle, but still relatively early, all things considered. And that's it for us today. Thanks for the uh, rating and review and hit that subscribe button before you close out. All right. Take you 30 seconds. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I'll get a koozie with our logo in the mail for you guys. I'm sending them out every single week. I've got 372 ratings and reviews on iTunes. Can you help get us to 400 by kickoff September 4th? 30 seconds. That's all I'm asking for, guys. It helps us continue to build this show, get you great content, and we can't thank you enough for helping with that. So that's why I've got a koozie with your name on it waiting in the mail. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Check us out. More podcasts this week from Big 12 Media Days, and we'll talk to you guys soon.